TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And this is one of these shows where it's going to be hard to do in just one hour. A busy, busy sports weekend indeed. Plenty to talk about here. I'm the two guys at a mic show. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely gorgeous. Beautiful Monday here in the fine city of Chicago. Hope everybody out there had an outstanding weekend sports and or otherwise the big dog and the coach at your service will be here each and every day this week. One hour a day. I know our producer David Olson is working on that. We need a couple hours, Dave. You can pull that off, uh, particularly on Mondays. That's the busiest time. It was a great sports weekend. Let's welcome in, first of all, the big dong, who I know uh, was actively watching and spectating a variety of sports over the weekend. Big dog, how are you? Uh, doing absolutely fantastic, Coach. Right now I'm over at the, the Joe Hogan Hedge Fund slash Mortgage slash House Flipping slash Bike Repair Shop, and he's actually fixing my bike right now so uh it's uh it's quite a weekend and and i hate to tell you coach i didn't watch any sports this weekend i was too busy trying to make some money i was at the aaron water show doing uh interviews with for chitownmix.com all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff but i did i did not get to see the cubs beat the cardinals the stocks choked to the tigers the I did watch the Bears last night on replay, right, well. uh, but I did not see the whole Johnson incident at the at the PGA Championship, and oh my goodness, how embarrassing for him. Well, I'm going to differ with you a little bit on that one. I think it's embarrassing for the rules committee. Martin Kamer, by the way, before we forget about it, he's the young man from Germany who won his first ever major. Unfortunately, everybody's going to remember it as the controversy involving Dustin Johnson. We'll talk about that for sure. But the big dog you mentioned, your Chitown Mix dot and the website again, www.chitownmix.com. I finally was able to see, I need to see more of it, but I did catch one of your interviews from Lollapalooza. And, uh-huh. you know, obviously I'm not a totally objective outsider because I know you and I love you and I respect your work and everything. And, and I have been your partner, so to speak, here on the radio for six or seven years. But, uh, I would, I would say my confidant, coach. Yeah, you're right. And, These, and by the way, it, it, you know what I'm saying? Normally, you know, things seem like you've been doing it a lot longer when it's boring. It's actually been eight, over eight years now, Coach. It'll be eight years coming up this September. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah. But the uh, point is I'm trying to make is you were outstanding doing those interviews. You have a photogenicity. If any of the clowns out there in the TV world in Chicago or the radio world in Chicago would bother to check out different talent and not just be recycling the same people over and over again, you, my friend, would have a much higher paying gig than this. Uh, you excellent, excellent job doing that. Seriously, you can tell well, there's there, there's I, a I certain really charisma yet. I really appreciate that, Coach. You know, I know I know you're not objective, but uh, uh, you know that means a lot to me. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's funny the same thing like Joe and and Sonny said the same thing about the the movie I was in. But yep, you know I, I know you guys are my boys, so you probably you know don't feel exactly. You can't give me the hundred percent honest truth, but I do appreciate mm-hmm. you saying that, Coach. Now, yeah. which one did you watch? Did you watch the one with the Angelique character? Yes, I did. Now, that's probably why you thought I was so good. Is uh, I, I thought she came off very, very well, Coach. Yeah. Actually, not many people paying attention to you, much more uh, people paying attention to Angelique. But uh, 
Interview was outstanding. And by the way, your five o'clock shadow on the hat going on backwards. Yeah. That's a good look for you. <laughs> I'm serious. That's that's a good look. I have to admit, I did rather well, if you know what I'm saying, Coach, that particular day yeah. at Lollapalooza. is the best way for me to put it. <laughs> when you say rather well, did the rather well include the beautiful and lovely and also equally photogenic Angelique? Uh, she did give me her contact information, wow. Coach. But I'm playing hey, hard to get, but blue. I have not contacted her yet. Wow. It's outstanding. I, I, I have every intention of doing that, though. Are you going to let her play more than the uh, eight downs or eight uh, snaps that Jay Cutler would have? Uh, well, definitely. I would, I'm going to get in the center position, Coach, and I do. <laughs> and she wanted to go shotgun, but I was like, Blue, no, I go under center. 42 red, 17 split left, split left, man in motion right. Aramashadu over the middle with the catch, and the Bears win. Actually, the Bears didn't win. San Diego beat them 25 to 10, but who cares? But uh, no, that was outstanding. I, seriously, people got to go check that out, www.chitownmix.com. And big dog, the two of us uh, were in unison because I watched a lot of sports this weekend. The only event I did not watch is the one you watched, and that's the Chicago Bear exhibition game. So between the two of us, hopefully uh, we can sound somewhat educated. Oh Yeah, we'll, we definitely will we'll do our best. Uh, luckily, my... Uh... My boys uh, actually taped it for me, or else I would not have actually seen the Bears game. I watched it last night, starting at like ten o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. So that's. Uh, but you know what? I want to. I want to tell you something. The the things that I was happy about. Would you should I go into the Bears, or do you want to continue with other stuff, Coach? Yeah, we'll give a quick uh, quick shout out to the Chicago Bears. Any of our NFL fans out there, you want to talk about your team's uh, first go around in the 2010-11 season? Feel free to give us a call triple eight four six three six seven four eight. Your initial thoughts, Big Dog, on the beloved Bear? Uh, the, the first thing, now it wasn't perfect, but something that I thought was actually pretty good for the Bears was their pass protection. Because I was extremely worried about what was going to go on, and I, I thought they protected the quarterback pretty well, to be honest with you, Coach. So that was good, considering how poorly they did that last year. Mm-hmm. Maybe things are a little bit better, but the, the one thing that they did horrible, but, I mean, absolutely horribly, they did not tackle at all. And tackling is something you have to practice, and it's something that you have to get good at, and you really can't do that on the professional level. It's hard to practice tackling, mm-hmm. but it was abysmal. During that game, it was horrid. So, yeah, I have heard that, and of course, so Lovey Smith. Apparently, this year, and different teams have different philosophies. Different coaches have different philosophies as far as how much hit, hitting you're going to do in your uh, preseason drills, and how much uh, you know physical contact. There's going to be Lovey Smith has always gone the way of not much contact, so that yeah, might explain the bad tackling area. Coach, as soon as somebody breaks a sweat in a Lovey Smith practice, they quit practicing. That's how easy it is. Hey, take it easy, man. Stop trying so hard. Yeah, exactly. Save yourself for that October 22nd game against the Vikings. Yeah, no doubt they're saving themselves for uh, the fifth or sixth week of the season. Mm -hmm. Actually, the Bears usually do come out pretty strong week one. They add something strong with uh, the Lovey Smith uh, routine. Oh, yeah. Lovey Lovey Smith is a player's coach. He's a player's coach. The players love him. Of course they love him. Or they say they love him because he goes easy on him. Yeah, but unfortunately, when the game starts, more often than not, it's an unmotivated, not ready to perform at the high level you need to in the NFL. It, but it, but but he's a player's coach, Joel. Yeah, well, it's good to know that he's a player's coach. But, <laughs> you know, usually it works week one. How many times have they come out during a season and just been awesome in the first week of the year, and then all of a sudden it starts going downhill from then? Yeah, I, I don't judge just on game one. How many times do they come out for a game? Very often, by the way, a big game. Sunday night, NFL game, Monday night. You know, national TV game, and they're just not 
ready to perform. That's happened way too many times in the past. Now, you bring up the offensive line, Big Dog. Pass protection is my second concern. That's nice. But you got to put a big butt in there. For me, it, actually, there's five big butts in there, but they need to be bigger. That's yeah. the problem. Our butts aren't big enough. Uh, to me, the key for the offensive line this year for the Bears is something they haven't done the last three, four, five years. It's a very simple thing, and that is when the ball is snapped and there's a running play called, to drive the defensive guy back. Push. But that has not seemed to be the case with the Bear offensive line in the last three, four, five years. They're stationary or getting pushed back. And I'm not a rocket scientist in the running game. I don't know all the angles and the cutoffs, etc. But I do know the object generally is to push the other guy back. And the Bears have not done that well the past couple years. Yeah, Coach, I just want to let you know I'm proud of you, and you've really come a, a, a long way in our eight years because I couldn't agree more with what you're saying. And typically, I think you're soft. You you want to pass too much. You, you know, you know, pass leads sets up a run and all that stuff. I, 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 they need to be able to punch people in the mouth, and that would be a key for them to actually win. And I, I couldn't agree more that mm-hmm. that's what they need to get good at. And I also agree with you that's the Bears' problem the last couple of years is they haven't been blowing people off the ball. Mm-hmm. And you know, and as much as I, I think Mike Dick is a little bit overrated as a coach because I thought they had phenomenal teams back then. He. He preached that destroy people on the offensive line, destroy mm-hmm. people at the on the line of scrimmage, and and they need to get back to that, coach. And they, yeah, you're absolutely right, absolutely. That will help their passing games if they can start blowing people yeah, off the and ball. Again, off and again, and again, you you know when the snap is, you get the first hit. You know, it's, uh-huh. it's a mentality thing. Hopefully, Mike Tice, our new offensive coordinator, is putting that mentality. Our new offensive the, line coach. Offensive line coach. Yes, thank yeah. you very much. And we've likened it before, Big Dog. Uh, we can recreate the scene if you want to a maternity ward. It's very simple. You got push, push, push. Uh, I'm with you're, you, coach. You're supposed to say pull, push, pull, well, that, that, pull, push, pull. Yeah, that's you all it takes. Pull, though, when it's a uh, cesarean section. All right, don't get carried away. Don't get detailed. I'm a young man, but all right. So they so overall though pretty good performance and. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. No, I wouldn't say that. There was, right. you know, a couple bright spots. Uh, Nick Roach flying around making plays, major right. Oh my goodness! Right when they, right when they drafted him in the in the third round, mm-hmm. I was ecstatic about it. I couldn't believe the kid fell that far. He's going to be one of their. Uh, I hate to tell you this. Hopefully, he's not their leading tackler as as a, as a safety. But I, you know, that guy can flat out tackle. Not tall enough to be a first safety. round pick. Not big enough to be a first round pick. Doesn't run fast enough to be a first. Just watch him play. You watch exactly. him in college, he always made plays, and Big Dog, one step further, he made his biggest plays in the biggest games. The guy's a flat-out player. Yeah, absolutely, Coach. You got that one right. That kid from Florida can flat-out play, and uh, the Bears had themselves a gem with that one. So, uh, yeah, you, you can't always tell, you know, preseason games they really don't mean anything, but you, you, you talk about the way the guy tackled, you know, with his feet up underneath him and his hips underneath him and, and uh, hitting with some power. And being in the right place at the right time, and Eric Kramer, who does a pretty good job of analysis, he, he might not come off as the smoothest talker, mm-hmm. but he really knows the game. And, and he was talking about the angles that this guy was taking. He was not letting people – he wasn't going too flat and letting people go past him. And as a, as a safety, if you do that, you lose games because those are huge plays. Mm-hmm. I tell you, they got themselves a gem in Major right. Coach. Yeah, and he reminds us – and my son brought this up, and he's exactly right. He reminds us a little bit of the great bear safety – uh, Mike Brown, who was the team captain, a team leader, another guy who, you know, was picked on the second round because not quite big enough, not quite fast enough. He just made plays. It's a great comparison, unfortunately, 
Major Wright got a, uh, hopefully not a major injury, but he injured his right ankle, had to come out of the game. Let's hope, Big Dawn, that the comparison with Mike Brown ends on the field and not with the injury problems of Mike Brown. Yeah, you know, he's, he's a little faster, a little bit more explosive than Mike Brown. And I, I'm pretty sure uh, Craig Stells, the safety, had the right ankle injury. Major Wright's injury was a broken finger. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, but I mean, who knows? He might have an ankle too. I mean, you, yeah. if you play in an NFL game, you have an injury. It's as simple as that. There's no way. It, it, as soon as you get into your 20 years, uh, when you're 20 years old and you can run 20 miles an hour, mm-hmm. and you weigh 215 pounds, and you run into somebody else that is the same weight, running just as fast as you, you're <laughs> injured, and it starts right there. And, and uh, Eric Kramer, I thought, brought up another great point. He's like, oh yeah, so Craig Stells has this injury. Major Wright has a hand. He's like. Every single player in this game right now has an injury, and they will have to deal with this injury <laughs> for the next uh, until uh, December. And, and it's true. It's, if you play an NFL game, you have an injury. And mm-hmm. as, as soon as you play another one, you have two, three, four more. By the end of the year, you just sit in a bucket of ice, and you just have to. It, football is just like how well you can deal with your injury. Yep. Coach. It's as simple as that. And we mentioned it, uh, I think, last week, where if anybody of our any of our fans out there. Uh, Know somebody or themselves have a groin pull or a groin strain. The big dog, my good partner and expert, an expert on groin pull injuries. And I believe the advice we gave last week was pretty much just to pop it back into place, toughen it up, and get back out there and play. Well, that, that was because the real way to, to solve it is ice. And nobody wants to hear that. Well. You, you know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> uh, like if you're obese, the last thing people want to hear is, well, like, how do I quit being obese? Well, eat properly and exercise. Yeah. I have to do that? You know, so it's the same thing as, like, so how do you fix a, a busted-up groin? Mm-hmm. Like, nobody wants to hear that, Coach. So pop it into place sounds like a lot more fun, <laughs> when you're, at least when you're talking about a groin. Oh, goodness. Get out there and play. The players today way too soft. It sounds so easy sitting right behind a, behind a microphone. Any other um, NFL games of note in the exhibition season? I don't think there was any major injuries. I know Tim Tebow had his debut. Got a touchdown. It was a fairly nondescript week one of the exhibition season, I would think. Yeah, you know what? I'm sick of this Tim Tebow bashing. I'm just sick of it. You know, I'm not a huge Tim Tebow fan. It wasn't this kid's fault that everybody loves the kid or or all this the media like made this huge thing about you know what a great guy he was. You know what I mean? All he did was do everything right while he was at the University of Florida. Yep. And all of a sudden, everybody hates the kid. You know, like I, I've seen, uh, I, I, why are you bashing a kid that did everything right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't understand that. So in some weird way, I'm actually rooting for Tim Tebow now. And I'm also sick of this whole stereotype. Well, he, he, play, he play college quarterbacks, he can't play NFL quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. No, no, if, if there, there, there is a difference. But if you can be a leader of men, you can get it done. And by the way, the kid's got a cannon. Everybody said his arm wasn't strong enough. Did you see some of the throws he made yeah. yesterday in the or on, on Saturday in that game? Beautiful yeah. coach. Yeah, and they, so, they've uh, adjusted his uh, throwing technique to get it off quicker. They made a few adjustments, but that they needed to do. There's no doubt about that. That's, you're right. He did. It take, did take him too long to actually throw the ball. But yeah, but no matter what, what, his arm strength's there, coach. What kills me is these guys, and not just uh, um, not just Tim Tebow. Even going back to Shane Matthews, a guy I always thought never got the chance in the pros that he deserved, is these guys in college, especially the ones that play like at a Florida State or a Florida or Miami. They're playing. Almost week in, week out against future NFL players, future NFL defensive backs. Mm-hmm. So you say you're, you know, uh, you know, it's not going to translate to the professional level. Well, the guy had a, you know, two Heisman, almost three Heisman, unbelievable collegiate career, and he was competing big dog against guys that, uh, you know, a good solid portion of them are NFL players down the road. Yeah. 
So I don't quite understand how that always translates. Well, I, I agree with everything that you said, except the one particular thing, Coach. You only had one Heisman. Are you Just sure? You know. I thought he had two. I'm, I'm 100% positive because Mark Ingram won one last year. Sam Bradford won it the year before. Tim okay. Tebow won it as a sophomore. Mm-hmm. And Troy Smith won it when he was a freshman. So okay. those are Tim Tebow's four years. The only uh, double Heisman winner is Archer Griffith of Ohio State University. Excuse me, the Ohio State University. <laughs> just, you know, just throwing it out there. But, no, you know, you're right. And it, and I do understand there is a difference between NFL quarterback and playing college quarterback. I, I am not a moron, but mm-hmm. – uh, I, I do hate sometimes this whole comparison. Look at look, look at Kyle Orton. He ended up being a fourth round pick. Think about how many quarterbacks he's better than that were drafted ahead of him in the '05 draft. You know, and it was it was whole thing. Or he doesn't have the foot speed. He doesn't have the arm strength. All this other stuff. You know what? He can remember a playbook, and and the, his teammates respect him. Mm-hmm. So, I don't remember the '05 draft all that well. '05 uh, was not a good year for me, and I remember a draft day in particular not a good day for me. So I'd rather. Move on from the 05 draft. It's kind of a sensitive topic for me, Doug. You, you did get your pants back, though, Coach. So. I did, but there's uh, more to the story, That wasn't until the NBA draft, though, the same year. <laughs> Take it easy. 888-463-6748. Let's move on. One-hour show, Big Dog. Uh, hopefully, in the near future, it's going to be two hours. Uh, I know we got a meeting coming up in the not-too-distant future with the Commander-in-Chief, Chris Whitting, and... It'll either be two hours, Big Dog, or we'll be off the air completely. I'm rooting for the former. I got a feeling it might be the latter. Uh-oh. Yeah, uh-oh. Uh, I just don't walk under ladders, Coach. That's the only thing I know about them. <laughs> I'll try to keep that in mind. Friday the 13th was last Friday. I think I'm uh, past that at this point. But uh, very quickly, we move along. And, again, our phone number, if you want to join us, uh, sports fans, two guys and a mic, will jump off the sports page uh, as well. Big movie premiere this weekend. David Olson, our uh, producer and media expert will comment on that. But uh, any thoughts you got on the weekend of sports from PGA golf to NFL football to the baseball? We'll get around to baseball talk for sure. Also, 888-463-6748. We had our final major in golf yesterday. Big dog full of controversy, uh, full of excitement. It was. We always talk about you want a back nine in a major where there's a lot of guys in contention and there's suspense. There was no Tiger Woods. There was no Phil Mickelson, but Big Dog, there was a bevy of young guys trying to win their first major, and it was suspenseful right down to the finish. I don't know how much of you caught, but it was it was great golf theater. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it was all the way down to the end, and then right when it looks like somebody wins and pulls away, they find out that they get a two-stroke penalty. So then, ends up, then next thing you know, that you, you have the playoff after that, and mm-hmm. I guess they started the playoff on the toughest hole that they have on the course. And that whistling straight—that's a supposedly—that's a—that's a bold statement because that's one of the yes. toughest golf courses in America. Whoever, if you're watching it on TV, whoever developed that course, the word that comes to mind is sadistical. <laughs> I mean, that guy, not only the water placement. And Big dog, the two of us played golf last week, and uh, we experienced the water early and often how painful that can be. But the sand traps and the thinness of the fairway. I mean, again, I don't know who developed the golf course, but it was a bad day, maybe a bad week for some golf architect. It, it had to been. And so this whole Dustin Johnson falls into the sand trap, blah, blah, blah. There was over 1,000 sand traps on a golf course. How was Did we lose the dog? Big dog! Testing one, two, three. Apparently the PGA golf executives have cut 
the big dog will try to get him back in a second. Now, just to clarify matters, and again, any fans who watch the uh, PGA Championship, you want to comment on a lot happened, particularly in the uh, final couple hours, the final back nine in the overtime playoff series, too. 888-463-6748. Uh, Dustin Johnson had a chance. He had a chance, big dog, to win the whole darn thing with about an eight-foot putt. And he, he babied it a little bit. He got a little bit nervous, didn't completely blow up, but just sliced it a little bit to the right, if you could use the word slice on a putt. That, now that would have been really interesting, because if he hits that putt on 18, he starts celebrating. The wife comes out and kisses him. Phil Mickelson's wife comes out and kisses him. He raises the trophy, and then they would have brought up the controversy with the sand trip. So that would have even made it more interesting. As it was... The three guys that tied went into the clubhouse, and then they informed Dustin Johnson after watching the replays that he was uh, disqualified because of the two-stroke penalty. Now, personally, you know, you know exactly how how I feel about this guy. He fell from first to fifth. Yep. I, I, you got to know the rules. So I had no problem with it. Now, how, yeah, I'm the one that's a stickler for the rules. You're like you're just it depends on you know the, the the mood you're in, whether or not you follow the rules or not. No, that's not true. It's called I, my idea is called common sense. Okay, so how did you feel about that particular incident? I think common sense should have been used, and it should not have been called. Very simple. Just common sense. Why even have the rule in there? Just erase the rule then. No, see, that's that's such an amateurish thought process. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Why is it amateur? Why is it amateur that the the, the rule is you can't tap the ground when you're in a bunker? Yes. So why why shouldn't he call it then? Why shouldn't that rule not be called? First of all, let me ask you, why can't you tap the bunker? What does that do? I I have no idea why you can't do that, because you're not supposed to clear space uh, before you actually take a uh, swing. Mm -hmm. That's probably the reason why the rule is in there. Okay, Uh, all right, so that makes sense to me. If you're using the wedge, the club, to clear some of the sand to get a better angle at the ball, then that rule makes sense. That's gaining an advantage. Just reaching down and barely tapping the sand, no advantage gained. Uh, you know, I understand the reason for the rule. I'm not saying take the rule out. I'm saying use common sense when to apply it. Don't take away a guy's chance to win a first ever major on a, on a club that tapped the sand. He didn't clear the sand out of the way. It, no, he didn't. But here's here's the point. The thing is, you're supposed to follow the rule. Uh, please, so, following the rules is overrated. Uh. I, I don't even want to get in, involved in this with you back and forth, but you know it, it, it's disappointing for the kid. But he should know that you're not supposed to tap the sand inside the sand trap. Now he knew that rule, but his his excuse was I didn't know I was in a sand trap. Right. Which all I can say to him was you were in sand. So I, I don't know. I'm really not sure what else to tell the guy. So he has, obviously knew the rule, mm-hmm. so he shouldn't have done it. Yeah, he didn't. He was. He said he didn't think it was in a sand trip. He had a horrible drive. He was way off to the outside. It was actually right in the middle of the of the crowd. And I don't know if you saw the replay or not, too. But uh, as he's hitting the ball, I've never seen the crowd that close to a golfer. And that might have been part of what interfered with his normal thought process. Big dog goes, if you get a chance, watch the replay. It was like really uncomfortable, even as he's taking a look at his ball. There's oh, like, I did watch the replay. There's like there's the like 500 people surrounding him, and when they, they finally were on top of him. what's that? They were on top. Well, he was in the gallery, coach. I mean, that's how bad the shot was. So I don't blame the people for being right on top of him well, when he was taking the shot. Well, I do. I blame the uh, you know the the what I call the shh people, those wonderful people that put their hands up. 
But the and, shush people should have should have moved the people further back. Let and, the guy and, have some. And by the way, you're talking about oh they shouldn't have taken away from him all this stuff. You know, there's a rules guy that follows uh, yeah. each, each duo. Yes. All he had to do was go to the guy and be like, "Hey, is this a sand trap?" That's all he had to do. Well, That's all he had to do, coach. I'll so, throw it back I'll, at you. Two things: the a the rules guy never said anything to Dustin Johnson. You're not supposed to. Oh not, come on! Coach, don't give me that coach, not supposed coach, to stuff. Coach, Common well, sense. Tell the guy, coach. Yes. That's part of the rules. Anything he can ask anything he wants to. The guy's not supposed to elicit uh, his own response. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to shut up. That's part of that's part of golf since they've started the rules, guys. They're this right. was an exception. It was not in the normal no, line of duty. It, it, it is. There is no exception. The guy has a, every single golfer has the opportunity to go and ask the rules guy before every single shot what they want mm-hmm. to do. So the fact that Dustin Johnson didn't ask the guy in this particular situation is part of the game. Okay. No. Uh, this, but this is. I can understand you saying the whole stickler for the rule and common sense. I actually understand your point there. But mm-hmm. this one, you have no response to the guy. All he had to do was just ask the guy, "Is this the sand trap?" Because he knew that in the sand trap, you can't tap. Well, so I, you have th- that part. You have no argument right every, there. None. Every professional golfer knows that rule. Every even the middle range heck golfers. So then he should know. He should ask. No. The guy, you know what? I have a rules guy standing right next to me. Is this a sand trap? That's all he had mm-hmm. to do was ask the guy that. It was sand. Okay. It's, okay. It's so, it's, but but I would also I don't feel sorry for him whatsoever. But no. I would turn it around and say the uh, the rules guy because it was an exception. He hit it in the crowd. This course has like fifteen hundred sand no, traps. There is no exception. The guy. Well, what do you mean? There's no exception. Offer, the guy. It's part of the game. He's not supposed to like tell the golfers what to do, coach. It's called common okay. sense once again. Use common sense. It tr- isn't common sense. The guy's job is to shut up. If the guy would have said something, he'd probably be fired. Okay. And right now, as a person that's looking for a job, mm-hmm. I would do my job properly. <laughs> it's the best way to say, explain it to you. You'd be a All hell right. of a shush guy, by the way. With your arms outstretched and you go 5 o'clock shadow, bald head, and the uh, the hair backward, you might be a PGA shush guy. I don't know if there's jobs open for the shushers. You, you know, but I'm not rude, Coach. I'm, I'm, well, I'm you don't have to be. Nice. I let people do what they want to do. Well, it's not about for the rules. You don't have to be rude. You command presence. And I think as a shush guy, you would have a commanding presence. i got to tell you something. I think my mom would be a better shush guy. Or or girl. Either way. By the way, they had, if you watch the tournament, they had a lot of shush girls out there. The security ladies and the shush girls, they were a lot bigger than the shush guys. There were some um, there were some hefty female security shush people out there. I got to tell you, the, the, the people that scare me most in the world are normally hefty women. So <laughs> I won't take that line of questioning any further. 888-463-6748. Now, here's my point. So I disagree with you completely that the the guy the guy could I got I can listen I understand your whole stickler for the common sense and all that but when you're talking about the guy's job is specifically in the book you're not supposed to offer any information whatsoever it's not like time, oh every once in a while never unless they ask Who? you and then you give them every single part of the rule what? Justin Johnson knows that the guy's there he should have asked what book have you I, read I don't understand why you can't put this your synapses in your head don't work properly. <laughs> what book have you read that says absolutely? I, I, I watched the Golf Channel last night. They broke it down for like a half hour yeah. on this particular subject, yeah. and I couldn't agree more with it. The guy's job is he's not supposed to say anything. Those Golf Channel people, have spent, they spent too much time in the rule book and not enough time in you the real what? world. There's, you yeah, are you what? telling All me I know is they... this. All I know is this. I was involved in a conference championship game and playing football in high school, yep. and one of the umpires, a referees, excuse me, referees, told the guy that the ball was still alive. That guy should never have told that player the ball was still alive. It cost me a conference championship. Okay. Two minutes after the game was done, uh, a guy comes over, picks up a loose ball, 
scores a touchdown on a forced fumble that I had created. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're celebrating on the field. They gave the kid a touchdown. Umpires, referees, judges aren't supposed to elicit information that they're not supposed to give somebody else. Okay? That was your final final game ever? No, it was game okay. seven. It, would, it was against Glenbard West. Uh, there was four seconds to go in the game. They're on their own 31. They have 69 yards to go for a freaking touchdown. I come flying around, <laughs> force a fumble on Burt Brandt. Don't know we fumbled the ball. Our team is on the field. Our band is on the field. Our spectators are on the field. Their team is on the field. One of the referees tells a kid by the name of Kevin Zhang, hey, you know that ball is still alive. You can see it on the film. The kid walks through the whole crowd, picks up the ball, walks through it again, and then gets about 15 That's... yards away from everybody and sprints for a touchdown. Wow. They call it a, and they call it a touchdown. I lose the conference championship. You, the you... West Suburban Conference Championship. So that ain't like the cycle East where, you know, Robeson beat Julian for the championship. This is the Downers Groves and the, and the, Glenbards of the world. You, you have told I, I me. I'm still upset about it. You've told me that story before, and you got a right to be upset. It's one of the more unbelievable finishes. To it's almost reminiscent of the uh, what people say is the wildest finish ever in sports, let alone college football. The California Stanford game with the it, it's uh, ten times worse than that, coach. Yeah, I mean that's, that's as you describe it. That is absolutely amazing. Because it was two minutes after the game. The game was over. People were lining up, shaking hands. And they still gave him the touchdown. It's unbelievable. So And found out that the referee that actually told the kid was from Glen Ellen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So right. I, I, I'm touchy about this whole right, referee offering information to people. Let okay. me present to you. We disagree on topic A, whether the judge could uh, could have just, you know, very gently sure told the guy. The, the, all the guy I, had to do was turn and ask. Is this I understand that. All, that. He had to do. all the judge had to do was say, all the judge had to do was just a friendly, hey, even though it doesn't look like a bunker, this is still a bunker, play by the rules. But... Uh, my point B, Big Dog, goes to the judge again. The judge, who was watching at the time in the 18, he never called it. No rules infraction. It was not caught until it was in the clubhouse on the TV screen. So the judge you're talking about, this wonderful God-holy judge who refused to, uh, you know, give Dustin he's Johnson a little quick to, pointer. He's not he, supposed to give information now, Coach. He's isn't not he's, supposed to offer information. I, you're missing my point. Is he not supposed to uh, report a violation? Well, he's supposed to know the rules. You're exactly yeah, right. So that, he, that's, that's ridiculous. He, even not knowing the rules is bad. Even he didn't. Well, maybe, maybe this judge had a little common sense too, and he saw it. But he realized it was the 18th hole of a major, and he wasn't pushing the sand away. It barely touched the sand, and he was going to let it go like any good judge. And then some replay booth camera knucklehead decided to bring it up, and then they had to call it. You're supposed to call it, coach. I hate to tell you, you're supposed to. It's a, it's some golf major. You're supposed to know the rules. That's the whole beauty of the game is you're supposed to play by the rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so, you don't get you don't play professional golf to kind of half-ass the rules. You're yeah. supposed to play by the rules. But again, rules are made to uh, create even play and no advantage gained. There was no advantage gained here easily. If they would have just looked at it and said it was too close to call, big dog, no controversy, Dustin Johnson goes on. Would anybody been mad about it? Would anybody uh, been upset? Oh, two days later, wait a minute. He might have touched the ground. That should have been called. No, nobody would well, have cried out for that. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's that's. A, I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I don't know how those guys actually would have reacted. That's that's another call. I'm not about to say that. Well, I, I know I wouldn't have been mad about it. What would have happened if mad. Dustin Johnson hit the putt on 18 and started celebrating the win? The wife comes out raising the trophy. What what what, what would the scene have been like then? Oh, that would have been one of the great stories in the history of golf. It would have. Yep. I mean, legitimately, that would have, I mean, because who, because he still would have had to beat two other people in a playoff. 
Okay, you know what I'm saying is right. So that way, that's totally different. He would have won. That's 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 totally it, different subject. Yes. Is it possible that uh, if he sinks that putt, starts celebrating the guy, the replay guy who saw it, whoever noticed it, just gets caught up in the time and says, you know what, forget it, we're not calling, and just keeps his mouth shut. Yes. Yes. You know, I'm surprised the guys calling the, the actual round didn't see it either. Normally those are, it's funny how the television analysts are so good. They normally catch that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you speaking of judges and officiating, um, I know this is a different sport, but, uh, last night, uh, outside the lines, I watched the outside the lines things on professional baseball and they, they talked about how good or how bad the umpires are. Now we always talk about how, oh, those guys are so much better, you know, than we, than we give them credit for considering how fast the action is. Coach, they went through um, the, the 184 games that, in baseball, and they they figured in the 184 games a two week uh, period, there was 231 bang bang calls, like mm-hmm. close calls that could go, you know, that, that that they'd have to go to the replay to determine whether there was a right or wrong call. How mm-hmm. many calls? What percentage of those calls do you think they got wrong? It's going to be higher than you think. On the bang-bang plays, I'm going to guess they missed a 35%. Okay, well, you're really, really, really close because the way it broke down was this. 66% were right, okay, 20% were definitely wrong, and 14% were inconclusive, and they mm-hmm. really couldn't go either way. So in a way, 34%. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you were right on, right on with that particular guess. They only got 66% right. That's amazing. I would have thought it would have been higher than that. I yeah. would have thought it would have been way, way, way higher than that. But. I would think as technology improves, you're going to see more and more replay. David Olson, you're a technological wizard or media expert. What are the odds in the fairly near future that, you know how we all have the handphones now, the iPad, whatever the hell you call One of the problems with replays is it takes too long. Don't you think in the near future, again, technological expert producer David Olson, that umpires – Referees in basketball will have the little palm pilot. They can go look themselves and quickly maybe make a correction. Yeah, it is possible. It is possible. Part of the reason that instant replay takes so long in football yep. is because they do have to review Ugh. all the different camera angles, yeah. and, it, and, and it takes time to do that. That's the, the you football know, you gotta look at it, you know, From north, south, east, and west, yep. up, down, everything yeah. like that. Um, so even if... It got to the point where you could review it on the smartphones, which, mm-hmm. you know, it, it will happen sooner rather than later. It's really, it's still going to take time because it's, yeah, it, it's yeah, not that, the amount of time it takes to access the video. It's the amount of time it takes to watch the video from all those different okay. angles. Well, with, it, it's funny that you, Dave, that's a, you're exactly right, 100% right about everything. But, you know, there's, there's six officials uh, on, an, on a, what do you call it, an NFL game. Why can't each one of them get the different angle? Then they give the thumbs up, thumbs down, whether it was right or wrong. You know, so that way, legitimately, In other words, everybody. Well, has then, well, what, what, then, what you go majority time. rules? Well, it, it, no, well uh, no, like it, legitimately, in order for it to get overturned, all of them would either have to say it was definitely good or inconclusive. Like if so, if it was, it wasn't a hundred percent. Like so, if there's six people. Like three of them can say, "I can't tell what this angle." The other three actually could tell. All three of them would have to say, "Yes, the call was wrong," and then they would overturn. Mm-hmm. If if 
you're assuming the other referees all saw it. They each are watching their own. Well, no, though they would all have their different angle. They, they just pull the phone out. They have mm-hmm. the X. They have the Droid X, which has got this gigantic okay. screen on it. They can look at it. Mm-hmm. And so the the four, the six that actually have a, a chance to see it, they okay. can say, hey, you That's know, that was bad. a catch or that was inbounds. Or is whatever. there a chance to how soon, uh, Big Dog, until the Palm Pilots um, become 3D? Is that fairly near in the future? Dad, you're going to want to talk to, to David about that. I, I, I think that's well, – for me, it doesn't matter because I'm myopic. I can't see anything in 3D. So, you're my uh, who? For me, uh, myopic, Coach. I only see out of one eye. Really? Okay. Now, this is <laughs> – hopefully you're just kidding around about this because this is something we bring up once a month on this show. David is, like, sick of hearing this already. He's <laughs> – He's hoping Chris Whitting says the show's going to be five minutes long, so he doesn't have to hear this once a month. This is actually the first time this has been brought up, you to see, my I'm, knowledge. I'm, I'm really? Not the, I'm not really? the only one with short-term memory loss. Yeah, and I'm myopic, too. You are? Yep. What does myopic mean for all the lack of myopic people out there? It basically uh, means we don't use one of our eyes, Coach. Yeah. I oh. mean, I can I can see out of my eye, right. but my brain basically blocks it out. Really? Yeah. yeah. Is there yeah. a therapy for that? No. Basically, what it, there's you have to have the therapy by the time you're three. Otherwise, that part of your brain dies and you don't use it anymore. Coach, okay. So there's really nothing you can do about so it. So it's not so much the eye, but it's the brain synapse mm-hmm. to the. That's the exactly eye. what happened. Interesting. So like, David and I, if we were walking, I, I, which one, which eye is bad for you, David? It's my right eye. Same with me. So just say we were walking. And we we can see fine on our left eye. I have like twenty twenty vision on my left eye. But what happened is out of the right eye, I can't read anything. So if I close my left eye, I couldn't read a stop sign. Mm-hmm. If a train was coming from my right side, I would notice some form of something gigantic moving at me really fast, and I would have to turn my head to see what it was. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, it wouldn't be too late, and I would get hit by a train. <laughs> but it, but it's like, like legitimately really like my depth perception is horrible. So like hitting a baseball was very difficult for me. Uh, so that type of stuff happens, Coach, but it's, it's what about, not like we're totally blind, but it's kind of like we're blind out of that eye. We're, it's, it's, it's hard to explain. How yeah. does that affect uh, driving? Doesn't that your peripheral vision? If you... you know, that's the point. Is driving, like, I, I would notice, like, if somebody coming, okay, but uh, like a big object coming, but, like, I wouldn't be able to, like, if I covered my left eye, I wouldn't be able to read anything mm-hmm. whatsoever, nothing. I, can, I can't even read a stop sign. I can just tell that it's red and it has... And, and it's kind of round. I wouldn't even be able to tell. It's so bad, I couldn't even tell it had eight sides. That's how bad my eye. Yeah, my, see, eye, my, my vision my... is so bad out of my right eye. It's sometimes it's, it's so blurry, it's hard for me to tell color. Because the, the, my, the, it's so blurry. Do you know what I mean? Everything is cloudy. Mm-hmm. I can't even tell color. when I, That's how bad my vision is. Wow. Yeah, see, mine's not nearly as bad. Mine's not nearly as bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, like, for example, I can read that talk zone sign behind you. I can see colors and everything like that. But, like, fine print, no way. No way. Hmm. Big Dog, is it safe to say if you didn't have myopsy, instead of being a linebacker for McMurray, could you have been a linebacker for maybe the fighting Alina? No, no, no. Well, Coach, I, I, I would have had to have been a fullback, I think, because I was I was legitimate 4-7 speed, when I, 4 seven four eight speed. So I would have had to have been a was fullback. That in the... I, I'm never going to say I was a, could have been a linebacker. Because, let's, I mean, let's be honest, if you want to be a linebacker, you got to run 4-6. And, but legitimately, I would have been a baseball player. There's, there's no doubt. I had the arm, I had the speed, and mm-hmm. it was funny when I made contact. <laughs> I, I hit when I was a. When I played varsity baseball as a sophomore, and when I made contact, I hit over 600. Mm-hmm. The only problem was I only hit like 310. I hit 319 that year. 
I struck out all the time. I, you, I hit as many strikeouts as hit, but when I hit when I hit the ball, it was like a rocket. So if you are afflicted by myop, myopsy, uh, that is very difficult to be a baseball player. Is the disease actually called myopsy, or did I make up uh, again? You are myopic. That's what they call it. You're myopic. Okay, but it is not myopsy. Yeah, you know, I got a biopsy <laughs> to find out I had myopsy. So. You're a poet, and you didn't know it. I can tell by your feet. They're Longfellows. <laughs> Very interesting. All right, well, I did not know that about you, but that probably explains a lot of things. A yeah, lot it of also things. means that, I, I, and see, like, with, I don't know if David's like this, but I'm really, really, really good at some stuff and really, really, really bad at others. And I've always blamed it on the fact that I only use, like, half of my brain. So, mm-hmm. Well, most of us, I think we're lucky if we use... Ten percent of our brain, right? Well, so if you're using half your brain, you're five percent of it. Okay, is what I'm trying to say to you, Coach. Okay, half of the ten percent that the rest of us use. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you are myopic out there, want more information on the disease of myopsy, feel free to give us a call or email us at Mike Two Guys at AOL dot com. M I C and the number two. Yes, sir. I would call it more of a condition than a disease, Coach. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick, quick break here. Big Dog and the Coach will take a quick break. When we come back, dog, we got to talk some baseball. Uh, a, a good weekend for our Chicago Cubs. They didn't really need to win, but they did. But this one Chicago team that badly needed to win had a miserable weekend. And they are, um, how do we gently put it, they're in a slump. They're slip sliding away. They've fallen, and I'm not sure if they're going to get up. We'll talk about when we come back. 888-463-6748. Baseball talk and more myopsy when we come back. are open for your calls on two guys and a mic call 888 go for it once again here's the coach john cone and the big dog joel radwanski on talkzone.com yeah we are back with the big dog and the coach here right up until 11 o'clock phone lines open we'll talk some baseball here 888-463-6748 big dog did you hear about the guy who uh, for a christmas gift Gave his mother-in-law a cemetery plot. The next, no, I did not hear about this. The next year, when Christmas came around, he gave her nothing. And the mother-in-law uh-huh. said, oh, well, why no gift this year? And the guy goes, well, you didn't use the gift I bought you last year. Thank you very much. All right. 888 Thank you very much. 888-463-6748. The Chicago White Sox had a big series over the weekend against Detroit. They lose two out of three. The bullpen has fallen apart, Big Doug. It was once the strength of the team, but now uh, it's become a disaster, hopefully short-term only. Bottom line is the Sox, as I said before the break, uh, they've fallen. And my question to you is, are they going to get up? Um, yes, Coach. 
they are going to play a little bit better, especially when they get uh, Bobby Jenks back from his abdominal strain. And I don't know how he finally figured out this condition because looking at his <laughs> stomach the last couple of years, I think you know he's had that's, the strain for a while. That's a hell of a strain. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I, I'm surprised it was finally diagnosed. Gotta, Maybe they should have let him know about it, just let him pitch. I think the doctors had to send a search and rescue team in to find that strength. <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, hopefully they found the doctors. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, I guess the biggest concern with the White Sox is, you know, is J.J. Putt. He's never really pitched in a pressure situation, and, and it seems like every time he has, like when he when the Mets were good a couple of years ago, do you remember how bad he was down the stretch? Yep. I mean, this is one of those guys where if you don't know that he's on a like if he's pitching for the Pirates or the Mariners that one year when the Mariners were horrible, yeah, he could be good, but he's never really pitched on a good team in a clutch situation and been effective ever. So that I would that would worry me. There and and, and if I'm if I'm Ozzyian. I'm dependent on Santos, and I'm dependent on Thornton until Bobby Jenks is back. Those are going to be my eighth and ninth inning guys, depending on the order and the batting, uh, depending on who's batting in what particular inning. And I'm not just going to be like, Thornton's my closer. It's going to be, you know, depending on the, the lefties and righties that are up, and that's, that's who I would put in the game at the end. There is a uh, business axiom. It is known as the Peter Principle. Uh, it's not the same Peter Principle that you used back in your teenage years, Big Doug. This is business-related, and basically the theory is, Everybody or most people get promoted to the point of their incompetence. You keep moving up the ladder, and eventually you hit the point of your incompetence. J.J. Putz, it seems like even in clutch situations, if it's seventh, eighth inning setup guy, he's pretty good if he closes for a non-contending team. But you're right, the Peter Principle seems to kick in with him as a final out closer in clutch situations. Maybe that's asking too much out of J.J. Putz. Yeah, and, and, and sadly, you know, uh, Ozzy didn't put him in the closing situation yesterday, but he did put him in an important situation, and he got lit up yep. again. Two two games in a row. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he gave up. Is, uh, the, the the killer was Saturday's game. White Sox leading 2-1 to one going into the ninth inning, and uh, was it the catcher, Alex Avila? Two-run homer off of J.J. Poots, and uh, ball game over. So, that you know, yesterday was 13-8. to eight. Bullpen fell apart at the end, but the killer was Saturday's game. That two-run homer, a dagger, right in the abdomen of the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, yeah, and not good. And they can't be blowing games right now because the, the Twins are really starting to play a little bit better. And Justin Morneau is getting healthy, and he's right around the corner from being able to play for them again. And and you know, and that is really going to make a difference for the Twins if you get him back in the lineup because mm-hmm. that guy can flat out hit. So. No question. Day off today. Sox at Minnesota. Big three game series. They got to get over the jinx against Minnesota. That psychological um, barrier they seem to have. I think they've lost seven out of eight this year to the Twins. That needs to end immediately at beautiful. What's the new name of their park? Uh, their Target Field. Target Field. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Let's let's end that psychological barrier starting tomorrow. By the way, speaking of the Twins, we got to ask you. They won yesterday four to two. Kevin Slowey had a seven inning no hitter and got pulled by manager Ron Gardenhire. He was coming off an injury a couple of starts ago, so he's not fully healthy. Thrown 105 pitches, but boy, you pull a guy that's got a no hitter, big dog. Tough. Now, now, coach, you know I'm all about the wins and losses. Yep. And I want to say, Kevin Foley deserved to get pulled because, deserved to get pulled. He should have been pulled because, uh, quite simply, he's coming off an elbow injury. He had missed a couple of starts in a row. This was his first start since then. So, so you, you pull the guy. But, but honestly, unless we're talking, 
uh, it's the last game of the year and you have to win it in order to in order to get in. If there's no injury involved, I have to let the keep the guy in uh, until he you know he keeps the no hitter. So I'm not saying Guy Hart did the wrong thing. He did the right thing because the guy's dealing with an injury, mm-hmm. but without injury issue. Yep. And unless it's like the last game of the year, I, I leave the guy in. And if and if somebody like debates, oh, you know, the guy was losing it, you know, even though he had the no hitter, why didn't you pull him? I'm like because you know he, he technically hadn't lost it yet. So uh, it's a, it's a tough situation. And uh, I love the way Ron Gardner and Kevin Soley dealt with it and how they handle it. Mm-hmm. And he's probably get six outs against major league uh, uh, pitchers. You know, I mean, a hitters. So it's not like it was guaranteed. It's not like he pulled them with one out to go. He still had to get six more outs. So that's it's awful tough. Yeah. There's not too many pitchers around baseball that can get uh, six outs with no hits when they've already thrown 106 pitches coming off of uh, missing a couple games with a bad elbow. Okay, so if Kevin Slowey stays healthy and he has a long career, he can look back on it and say, you know what, mm-hmm. maybe I had this long career because Ron Gardner didn't do something stupid and keep me in the game. Uh, when I had a no-hitter going yep. back in the day. Yep. That's one of those things, almost like a parent tough love, where the kid is mad at the time, disappointed at the time, but as as you know, the next day and the next week wears on, you look back on it, and even though you're mad on the outside, you respect the parent for the decision. Maybe that's the case, and I think you summed it up pretty well, Ron Gardenhire's case. If the guy's not injured, you let him go. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. If he is, you got to look out for the kid. And Ron Gardenhire, we talked about it before in the show, Big Dub, maybe – I said Mike Sosha's right there, but Gardner might be the best manager in baseball. Uh, there's no doubt when you think of the, the best managers in the game, uh, you know, La Russa, Gardner, definitely Mike Sosha, yep. uh, Bobby Cox. Bobby you know, Cox. So and Bobby Cox and La Russa don't have much much time longer. Gardner can you know manage another you know ten fifteen years possibly because mm-hmm. I still remember when he was a ball player. You know I'm not that old so. Um, there's a chance he can end up having a very long career coach. By the way, speaking of Atlanta and Bobby Cox, I think on Friday uh, they lose their third baseman, their all-star, their team leader, their team captain, out for the season. Torn ACL, Chipper Jones, out for the season, Big Dog. A big ouch for the contending Atlanta Brave. Uh, yeah, you know what? Now, there's, there's talk that he's going to not have surgery. He's going to try to rehab it and figure out if he could um, – actually get back by the end of the season. It's not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. It's not guaranteed it could happen, but, yeah, that's what he's going to try to do. Let me ask you this. Chipper Jones, it's always uh, fun to talk about active players. You know, if they get injured and their season ended right now, would they be a Hall of Famer? There's a chance, hopefully not, because he's a pretty classy ball player and a hell of a ball player. There's a chance this could be it for Chipper Jones. If it is, has he done enough uh, to get in the Hall of Fame, Big Dog? Yeah, in my book, he has 100%. If you think about it, the fewest amount of uh, players at a position that have made the Hall of Fame is third base. Mm-hmm. He's got the fewest players. But if you think about a coach, he's got uh, well over 400 home runs. He's got a 300 career batting average. He has no steroid controversy whatsoever in his career. The guy has been a, a winner his whole career. He's been clutch. He performs in the playoffs. Uh, Chipper Jones, without a doubt, would get my vote as, as a baseball mm-hmm. Hall of Famer. And it, I know this is going to make some people mad. Some people get really touchy about this. I wouldn't vote him in the first year, but no. I would start voting for Chipper Jones in his second yeah. year yeah. if I was a voter for the Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah, I would agree with everything you said. And, you know, as you describe Chipper Jones, it's almost like you're describing the National League version of Derek Jeter in the American League. 
you know everything you, you said know, about different Chipper, style, different style games. But yeah, I, I can see that. You know, a guy that always played the game right, and yeah. he did like he hit situationally. He he's nowhere near as good a fielder. And I know it's a different, you know, short and third base. But you know, Chipper Jones was always known as a guy that you put out there at third base, and and you hope he didn't screw up that much. Where Derek Jeter was a guy that when he, you know, he played the bases. I mean, when he uh, played in the field, he was, you know, uh, an extremely good uh, defensive shortstop. I know some people whose range factor is low and all that. Whatever the guy is, you know, the guy's always in the right place. He turns double plays. He's awesome, and he's not as good a, a base runner as. Uh, Derek Jeter was, but yeah, he, and he mm-hmm. hit for a lot more power than Derek Jeter. But you're exactly right in terms of being a teammate, being a leader. Yeah, Derek Jeter always did the right thing. Mm-hmm. I always respect guys who can do a, you know, over a long period of time be consistently good. And Chipper Jones rarely, rarely had a bad year. Uh, you know, the, even the first half of this season, he was not doing so well. And then all of a sudden, he catches fire, and unfortunately, he gets injured while he was hitting his best. But uh, over his 15 year career, I think he was a rookie back in 19. 19- 95, lost the Rookie of the Year award to uh, Hideo Hade- Nomo of the Dodgers. Hade- Hideki Nomo, or what was his name? Hideo Nomo, Coach. Hideo Nomo, Hideo which in English Nomo. translates to what? Uh, long fly ball, <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> Let's just say Chipper's career lasted a little bit longer than Hideo Nomo's, huh? Yeah, it definitely did. Uh, it definitely. Did. You know, this is, this is no joke, the Hideo Nomo story, I can tell you. I'm working at Nike Town. Yep. It's a Friday, and I remember it's a Friday afternoon, and uh, Hideo Nomo comes in, and he comes in with like five other Japanese dudes, and he was hammered, Coach. <laughs> Completely, did you, I mean, wrecked. When he like, walked in, did you know it was Hideo? Oh, well, obviously. Coach, you know why. I mean, this is, this is in 1996, okay? okay? Um, uh, and uh, actually, excuse me, excuse me. This was 1998. It was 1998, okay? And he's still pitching for the Dodgers. And this guy, I mean, he's like swerving. He sits down and it's like, uh, and like, and he's like drooling on himself. I mean, and he's reeking. I mean, just it, it's putrid how bad this guy reeks of, of alcohol. Uh-huh. Well, some of his other buddies are, they're all in suits and they're trying on like shoes and stuff and they're telling jokes in, in Japanese. And they're, I can't understand Japanese, but I definitely, it sounded like gibberish to me because they were to- so wasted. So, and I'm like, look at this guy. What a freaking joke. Next thing I know, it's Saturday, it's noon. And the Cubs are playing the Dodgers, and Terry Wood is pitching. Terry Wood gives up a couple runs in the first inning, and I'm like, oh, that's not good for the Cubs. Next thing I know, Hideo Nomo comes up, and I'm at the PJ <laughs> Fridays right by uh, right by uh, Nike Town. Yeah. All of a sudden, Hideo Nomo gets out of the mound for the Dodgers, and I'm like, oh, my God, he's going to get lit up, guys. They're like, what? He's awesome, blah, blah, blah. In the first inning, he gave up seven runs, and they pulled him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Coach, he was like fall down, wasted, drunk. Well, I mean, I can understand you have a couple of beers. You shouldn't. I mean, if you're a pitcher, you should never drink the night before a game. But I can understand you. some buddies that you see from Japan, you have a couple. I mean, he was like about to throw up. It's not good. And, and, you know, and 18 good. hours later, he's out on a pitching mound. You know, so I was like, you deserved what you got. I mean, he was throwing. He looked like Rick Ankiel, the right-handed version. I mean, he, I mean, it wasn't like people were getting hits off him. He couldn't find the strike zone. So he got lit up before the game, and uh, when the game started, he got lit up once again. Yes, he did. Hideo Nomo, circa nineteen ninety-eight. You never know what stories you're going to get here on the two guys in a mic show. About one minute left, uh, big dog. We talked about the White Sox. Let's quickly, quickly mention your beloved Cubs. They actually played good baseball over the weekend. Won two out of three. Derek Lee on fire with the, what four homers. 
over the three games, it's always nice to beat St. Tony La Russa and the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, it's definitely nice to beat St. Louis and, you know, uh, all this stuff. You know, it's definitely way too little too late for Derek Lee in this season, you know, yep. but if, if I'm going to have him get hot against somebody, hopefully it will be the Cardinals. Uh, he got pulled in yesterday's game because of, of back issues yep. and, uh, He's got a stiff back. He's got a week back. He's had it for since about a week back. But uh <laughs> you know, they 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 pulled him the Cardinals end up making a, a little run. They're not gonna re sign Derek Lee. Hopefully he does have a nice last month with the with the Chicago Cubs. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know they're not gonna make it, but I I hate giving up on seasons. Uh they they basically are gonna have to go like thirty one and eight the rest of the year in order for them to uh, to make the playoffs and that's not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Uh but you know what? You beat the Cardinals. You're going to be a pain in the butt. The only bad thing is, is this little—they're helping the Reds out. That's the only bad thing about beating the Cardinals is they're helping the Reds. But I'd rather have the Reds win than the Cardinals. It's a, it's a painful choice. I prefer with the St. Louis Cardinals, I think. But uh, I think for most Cub fans, a painful choice. Big dog, it's a painful moment when I have to tell you that this show is over. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay, be good out there. Yes, I shall, Coach. And again, that website is chitown.com, correct? Chitown Mix. Chitown Mix. And, and make sure you catch the interview with Angelique. It is well worth the two minutes you could spend on it. Catch, catch them all. Who knows what I'm telling these people? You just never know, Coach. All right. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. We'll do it all over again tomorrow at 10. Don't be late.